Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here today. Uh, fine day to take your dog for a walk. Eric, I'm sure you'd agree with me. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice and cool. Pretty mild, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, this is our 361st episode. Uh, we've had we had our first episode in February of 2009. Four more, and we've got uh, a year's <laughs> a full worth. Full year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Last week we were full circle with 360. Right. Yeah, now we'll be full year. So it's, um, you know, it's been such an honor, really, and pleasure over the years. I have gotten to talk with so many inspiring and brilliant people um, doing various amazing things with dogs. I've talked with some uh, some experts, some, some uh, you know, people in the field of canine science. I've talked with Mark Beckoff and Alexandra Horowitz and Brian Hare and Patricia McConnell and Temple Grandin and all of these amazing people in that field. I've talked with uh, some really fantastic authors and then some just incredible organizations, Courthouse Dogs, Prison Pet Partnership Program, Old Dog Haven, Beagle Freedom Project, these people that are just rocking it. And we have back today uh, Kim Sill, who's the founder of an organization called D-Cups Saving Teacups. And I interviewed Kim uh, in 2010. And I thought I was referred to the organization by an actually a Seattle artist, Jennifer Bloom, with Haute Portraiture. She does really beautiful work. Um, and she referred me to the D-Cups down in uh, Beverly Hills. And I had Kim on, and I was... You know, over the last five years, I've never forgotten my conversation with Kim and um, their really incredible approach to working with communities and with, uh, you know, in in the realm of dog rescue and pet stores and really raising awareness of uh, puppy mills and stuff. And I'm just the other uh, just, you know, within the last week, I thought, I wonder if they are still at it. And I looked up the website. Sure enough. And not to my surprise at all, they've got, you know, a lot of great stuff going on. And so I'm so thrilled to welcome back Kim Sill, founder of D-Cups Saving Teacups, onto the dog show. Kim, welcome back. Thank you, Julie. I am so happy to be here. And congratulations, 361 is a big, big number. Yeah, I know. It's it's amazing. Week after week, I was just thinking today, oh, I'm back already. It's It's, you know, another week. It's so great. So... Thanks for being a part of, of the show and for doing the work that you are doing, um, saving dogs and raising awareness, you know, within communities about uh, responsible uh, acquisition of family pets and uh, puppy mills and all that stuff. So so I wanted to, um, you know, take this opportunity to hear about what you have been doing. I mean, it's been five years since we've since we talked. I know you've got a movie and all sorts of stuff. Uh, there was a Puppy Mill Awareness Day, it looks like, down in, uh, was that in L.A.? Yes. Cool. Julie, after we spoke, we actually did do the first Puppy Mill Awareness Day on the West Coast. Um, um, it's an amazing event where we actually rented La Brea Tar Pits, which is a huge 
historical park here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Um, I organized that when I was still with Last Chance for Animals. And we had Pink and Cesar Milan and lots of celebrities come out to talk about the horrific conditions that, you know, are experienced in puppy mills. Yeah. Um, and we had a lot of the Puppyville survivors there, and we got them all adopted out. And, um, it was a really great day, and we've done one every year since. Mm. Um, they typically take place in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is where they've been going on for quite some time. But now we have them out here on the east, I mean, on the west coast. So it, it's mm-hmm. really helpful for the people out here in California to understand what's going on with puppy mills, because a lot of those puppy mills are in the Midwest section of the United States and in Pennsylvania. And uh, it's, it's been very, very, very rewarding to be able to be part of that. Yeah. I know that uh, more and more now with technology, and I've done a number of shows over the years about various puppy mill-related topics, and, uh, you know, they take lots of different forms these days from the sort of factory farm that, you know, we could imagine, uh, like you mentioned, out in the Midwest or stuff like that to a smaller, relatively smaller scale, quote-unquote, family-operated, where they sort of are, are, they live online and sell puppies that way, To And, you know, anybody can make a, a nice website and say any, all nice things. Um, so. I think that is the trend, Julie, is to have, you know, a lot of these people do go online. You know, commerce is moving toward being online, and it's the same in businesses like puppy millers. They mm-hmm. figure out a way to make the most money, off of what they're breeding. And these, these poor animals, you know, the common denominator, it doesn't matter whether it's coming from an online facility or somebody that may look like they have a, a, a cute little backyard, but the dogs are actually being bred in the garage. I mean, it really doesn't matter. The common denominator is don't breed for profit. If these people are breeding to make money off of these animals, then they're breeding for profit. And if you buy those animals, it's like buying drugs from a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. They're going to continue to use your money to breed more. And it's not the cute little puppy's fault that it was bred that way. And it's not um, the mama and daddy's fault that they're being used this way. But unfortunately, the mama and daddy get the worst of the situation where they're bred and bred and bred Mm -hmm. year after year until they're no longer of any use. Mm -hmm. And then they either get euthanized there on the facility or they get dumped at a shelter where I have rescued too many to name. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's just really an unfortunate cycle that we don't have to be part of. And I think that the public is coming into a place now where, you know, they're saying no and they're doing their homework and they're not uh, falling into this uh, situation where they buy a dog that might have genetic defects because it is inbred. Right. No, I mean, there are responsible breeders out there, Julie, as you know. Mm-hmm. And I really think that if you do your homework and you get people that are in the, the pet industry to help you, you can you can find the right dog for you. Yeah. I mean, you know what I believe. Go to a shelter. Shelter dogs rock. Yeah. And that there's a there's if if somebody is sort of attached to a purebred dog, there's plenty of purebred dogs in through purebred rescue groups and and also at shelters as well. It's amazing how many purebred rescue groups have popped up in the last 5 years since you and I talked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's probably 150 different purebred rescue groups in the United States. I mean, when I first started protesting um pet shops that were selling puppy mill pet shops, you know, in Los Angeles, there were 103 pet shops selling mass-produced dogs that were wow. imported from other states wow. in California. Mm. Now um, that we have a law in Los Angeles County, you're not allowed to sell animals that way. So fortunately, we have those laws. Other cities in the nation have those laws. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's putting a 
a dent in the population of these dogs being um, yeah. continued to be mass produced. Yeah. So you have a movie that is um, had a, a showing. It's called uh, Saved in America. And uh, yes, what's going I on do, with that? Julie. <laughs> so, Julie, when I was working um, with Black Chance for Animals, I filmed, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours of different things that I found to be very um, telling as far as what was going on in the animal welfare world. And I um, put those pieces of footage together, and I made a, a short documentary called Saved in America. Mm-hmm. And it, it really captures what's going on in the, um, for, with the first responders of rescue, um, in shelters that don't have any resources, like San Bernardino City in California, where they don't even have a vet or a vet tech on staff when mm-hmm. animals get um, taken in there to, by animal control that are either hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so many things that we don't think about. We, most tax-paying people think that, oh, our dollars are taking care of all this, this kind of stuff. Well, in a lot of cities in the nation, that we don't even have uh, money to provide for a vet to be on staff at government-run shelters. Yeah. So uh, my film talks about the unsung heroes and shows amazing transformation stories of animals that were rescued. And during the time that we filmed, um, over the five years that I filmed, um, we saved 4,500 dogs from death row. Wow. We worked with 130 different rescue groups across the nation, and many of those people are highlighted because the, the heroes in the story are the, the wonderful people that you know do this for no money. They do it with, with very little resources, and they, they're only doing it to save an animal. They're not doing it for a thank you. They're not doing it for any other reason than they know they want to help an animal. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, it really is. Uh, we had a just a a small taste of that. Uh, it has actually been om- almost two years now. There's a local organization up here called Old Dog Haven, and they get old dogs out of shelters. And God bless them. I know. Oh. And we took in uh, an Old Dog Haven dog who was, we were told, was a, a hospice dog and that she probably didn't have too much longer to live, but it doesn't matter. Just get her out of the shelter and with, you know, let her live however much time she has left, you know, surrounded by love, getting the care that she needs and all that kind of stuff. And we've had her now for t- almost two years. She was like, hey, it's not not too bad here. I think I might hang around. But I'll tell you, driving away from that shelter with her in the car and being able to tell her you're never going to have to see the inside of a shelter again was just so incredibly powerful for us. I mean, I understand what motivates people just internally to do this work. Uh, it's you it's know. really amazing. And, and working with, with senior dogs like that, knowing that your time, you know, it's a ticking time bomb because yeah. you know they're, they're going to not last very long and you want to give them the best that you can give them for that short period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, those people to me are, I mean, they're just angels on earth. I don't know how they do it. I, I mean, what they do is really difficult. Yeah. It's it's really incredible, and the and the old dogs, uh, you know. I mean, I think it's incredible, and I know you can, you have more more examples of this than you can, you know, remember. To see the resilience of these dogs who come from all different types of really rough, uh, either emotionally rough or physically rough um, conditions, to see how they can heal and bounce yeah, back. You're, you're so right. The transformation process for a dog it's unlike. You know, humans, we, we hold baggage, we, you know, we just can't get over things sometimes, yeah. you know, but you'll, you'll see in the most horrific abuse situations with an animal, 
it seems like the recovery is so, so quick, and they're so forgiving, and they're so loving, and um, the damage that the humans have done to them, they forget about it and wag their tail and love the next human that, that comes along. It's, it's just amazing what, what you get to see, and I feel very blessed that mm-hmm. um, since I, I've worked with you and since I made my film, I've opened um, a chain of rescue pet shops called Shelter Hope Pet Shops. I opened them because I really thought that uh, most people won't go to a shelter because of knowing that it's a sad place and they mm-hmm. don't want to see all the ones that don't make it. So mm-hmm. I, I thought, well, if I open a shop in a beautiful mall where people are going there for other reasons, they're going to see the movies or they're going to the gym or they're going to go shop at Nordstrom's Rack or they're right. going to go to the food court, then they will get the opportunity to see these dogs that are from death row but that aren't on death row anymore, that are safe and ready to be adopted. Yeah. Since I opened my first shop in 2011, we've had almost 2,000 adoptions out of that shop. I opened a second in Sacramento a year and a half ago, and then a third in Santa Clarita, California, uh, eight months ago. And it's really going to be across the nation if you can help me. Maybe we can get one up there. I offer a free franchise to a qualifying rescue. I also am willing to help them with the insurance and the startup costs to get the shop up and running, and we can show shelter dogs in a safe, happy, warm environment so that people can feel comfortable about doing the right thing. So awesome. Isn't that awesome? Shelter Hope Pet Shops. Yes, Shelter Hope Pet Shop. We want one up there where you're at. I want one up where where I am. That's amazing. So how does... How do you... um, you know, like, what is that process if anybody here is, you know, who's listening actually from the Seattle area or anywhere, really anywhere that you're listening from, um, how would somebody, if they would like more information about about that, about okay. this opportunity, how would they get that? Okay, so they can, can email me or email you and you can forward it to me. Mm-hmm. And um, what we do, if you're a qualified rescue group, and I mean qualified if you've been working for, you know, a few years, um, if you have a 501c3, that's helpful. Um, you just need to have a track record that you have been a rescuer and that you don't have, you know, you don't have any felonies. We would like to, you know, train you and work with you. You can come down to my shop and train, or I can send you videos of the training that we do mm-hmm. and how we do it. Uh, we really like the shop to be run the same because we found that um, you can have a sustainable business model as a rescue if you do it the way that we're doing Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you can tweak it and make it work for the, the region or the demographic that you're in. Mm-hmm. But you typically do need to be in a busy, high-traffic area mm. so that the dogs can be shown. Right. Also, the nice thing about being in that type of area is you can get a lot of volunteers because uh, kids need community service. Uh, disabled people need a purpose and need to help, and we need them to help us save dogs so mm-hmm. they can sit in the pens with the dogs and hold the dogs and socialize the dogs and comb the dogs. We also work with a group of veterans that come and walk the dogs. Um, there's tons of ways to help. Um, you can foster. I mean, fostering a dog uh, saves us from having to board the dog at night. It can help them in their rehabilitation process because some dogs coming out of a shelter are a little skittish or scared or confused. Um, so getting them to a nice foster home and bringing them back to the shop every day to be shown you know, rarely um, do any of our dogs get boarded. They usually go to foster every night. Mm. 
so, so there, awesome. there's lots of ways to to do it. Um, we tweak the depending on the demographic picture, and we try to tweak it. But we do depend on the help of our volunteers. I work with yeah. uh, the National Charity League. I, I work with, with between 100 and 200 volunteers a month, every month, and we have shifts of two hour shifts every day. You must have so, clones of yourself running around doing all this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, what I do have is I have a couple of wonderful managers of my, my shop in Thousand Oaks, and then I have, a, a like like mm-hmm. you were talking about at the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. the D-Cup Saving Teacups, like Demetra, who has worked with me since since we started D-Cup. Um, she's also a band member in the group L7, who is on tour, but she does our weekly and monthly newsletters, so she makes sure that all the dogs are up-to-date on Adopt-A-Pet, and she posts all the new dogs, and she sends out alerts when we have an emergency, or we need help, or we need a we need dog food donated, or we need dog food picked up that's already been donated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's about working with people that are willing to do whatever they can do. I rarely see Demetra, but she's constantly on her computer doing what she does to keep us mm-hmm. working. So you said if people can, if if someone's interested in this uh, Shelter Hope Pet Shops idea that you've got going on down already down where you are and wanting to sort of franchise where they are, that they can get in touch with you. And what's the best way to for them to do that? They can email me at info at shelterhopepetshops.org. Okay. Info at shelterhope petshops.org and then just make the you know just address it to me dear Kim I want to open up a pet shop and then I will get back to you we'll start talking we'll start the dialogue and Mm -hmm. then hopefully you'll either come to my location or one of the others and we'll get you in some training you can see how it works when you see how it works you you and if you're a rescue person and see how it works you're usually like exasperated and amazed because it shouldn't work um, but it does. <laughs> yeah. and, and it does because of the goodness and stability of people that are willing to help animals. Yeah. That's, that's how we survive. It's because of the people that are willing to help. Cool. Well, I'm going to help you get the word out about that up here anyway. I've got Wait. some, yeah, Wait. I've got some other um, journalists and media connections who I think will be really interested in this story. There's a ton. I mean, you know, as you know, Seattle is, is is dog crazy as well, and there's just a ton of really excellent organizations and wonderful people doing work in in the world of dog rescue. And I think that this, you know, that we've it would be a great fit for this. So um, I agree with, with that, you. Yeah. The up where you are at, it is a much kinder, gentler people that take care of animals, and they're so effective. Your laws are better. Your regulations are better, your shelter, everything up there is better. I wish I was up there, but I'm not. <laughs> but maybe Shelter Hope can be up there. Yeah. Well, um, when I do, because uh, when we talked the first time, you said, when I'm when I'm down in Beverly Hills to come and say hi, and we'll go to, I think it was Mr. Chow. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, of course, I haven't been down there yet, but um uh, when I do at some point get down there, I'd love to stop by uh, one of uh, one of your Shelter Hope pet shops and, and take a look. That'd be awesome. Right. I look forward to hosting you at Mr. Chap. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. So um, so I'm talking with Kim Sill. She's uh, the founder of D-Cups Saving Teacups. And also, uh, you know, since we first talked, this incredible idea, um, Shelter Hope Pet Shops, and that is the website is shelter hope 
PetShops.org, where it's sort of like a pet store um, sort of front, but housing shelter dogs who are ready, or shelter pets. Is it just dogs, or is it uh, cats, too? We do have cats. We actually invite cat rescues to bring their cats in on specific days because we don't okay. want to upset the kitties too much, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, shelterhopepetshops.org and uh, dcupssavingteacups.com. And they also have a YouTube channel. Um, I posted a link to one of the videos. I think it was from one of the Puppy Mill Awareness Days um, on our website, which is dogradioshow.com. So you can get an easy link to that and easy links to all of these if you're driving and can't write it down or whatever. Just go to the dog show homepage and um, you can get all of the contact here. Uh, You know, it was so funny. I walked into the studio today and um, Eric, my booth engineer here and uh, operation director of operations here at KKNW, um, he's been with me uh, every, almost every show of the past six years. Uh, There's this book um, called the dog merchants inside the big business of breeders, pet stores and rescuers. And it was written by Kim Cavan, who is the author of Little Boy Blue. And I thought, Eric, you know, I've got this book here. I'm excited. I'll read it. I'll interview the author. And what a fu- kind of a funny fit based off of the topic that we're talking about today, about this this industry of uh, pet stores and all that stuff. Perfect, perfect timing. You know, yeah. the pet industry is a $50 billion a year industry. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of money to be made. Yeah. yeah and if you do the right thing, you can help a lot of animals. Yeah. So that's great. Thank yeah. you so much yeah. for having me, and thank you. Please have people go to Saved in America, the film. They can see the trailer for the film, and hopefully next um, in the next few months it will be released on Netflix. All right, great. Well, we'll keep a lookout for that, and when it is released, we'll be sure to uh, let our audience know. And thank you so much for visiting us again today. Uh, I look forward to keeping in touch over the years and hearing about all the amazing stuff that you're doing down there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Julie. Have a great day. All right, you too. So I was like, oh, I swear, over the years, I've never forgotten that, you know, some of them just stick out. Yeah, great interview. And she is just, I mean, again, she just blew me away again um, with all the amazing stuff. I mean, this Shelter Hope Pet Shops thing is amazing. It's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that was Kim Sill, uh, founder of D-Cups Saving Teacups, and uh, also a documentary called Saved in America. And I'm going to post all of these links on our homepage so you can just go to our homepage and you can get it all there, which, of course, is dogradioshow.com. And then I did have a couple of announcements before we go to break. And when we come back from break, uh, we're actually going I'm going to air my original interview with Kim talking about uh, the first conversation that we had the, the first time she blew me away with the work that they're doing in the second half of this show. So stay tuned uh, for that. I did want to let you know, though, just some save the dates on some events coming up here in the Seattle area. The Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show this year is March 12th and 13th at CenturyLink Field Event Center. And you can go to seattledogshow.org for more information about that. That's a great event, and we will be there at a booth all weekend long. And then the Vashon Sheepdog Classic. Eric, you can see I'm wearing their sweatshirt today. Uh, This year, uh, 2016, is going to be June 9th through 12th at Misty Isle Farms on Vashon Island. And you can go to VashonSheepdogClassic.com for more information about that fabulous event. 
We're going to take a break and you'll be back. Uh, We'll be back. You'll be back as well listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to New Pro Supplements, we cover the world of animals. This week, January 31st, it's an encore presentation with Zach and Haley, lead farmers from the Ananda Farm and CSA on Camano Island. Learn about no-till organic farming, all the products they're making, and how you can participate in the CSA and dinners at the farm next summer. They're an extraordinary young couple you'll enjoy knowing. Join us for Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) More choices, more topics, more shows. One station. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. The Dog Show is back with Julie Forbes. Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. We are back with Kim Sill, founder of D-Cup Saving Teacups, a California-based rescue group. Hi, Kim. Hey, how are you? Wonderful. I'm so happy to have you on the show. And I am so glad to be here. Good. This is one of the reasons why I love doing what I do, because I get to meet so many fabulous people like yourself. And I was introduced, well, I was told about your organization through another one of our guests, a local uh, woman, Jennifer Bloom with Haute Portraiture. She's an artist, and uh, she mentioned your group, and I thought, that sounds great. And then here we are. Great. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're lucky that we're able to reach out through the Internet now, and we can touch people all over the nation, and now we're up in Canada. So it's, it's wonderful that we have that access. Wonderful. Well, will you tell us, first off, a little bit about what is what is D-Cup Saving Teacups and who is D-Cup Saving Teacups? Okay, well, D-Cup Saving Teacups started out as a bunch of me and um, some other women that were fundraisers um, deciding to do more than just fundraise. We decided that we were going to go in and do some investigations on some pet shops that were selling puppy mill dogs. Um, while doing that, we thought that, you know, a more effective way to be helpful 
uh, would be to stand outside and give people information on where these animals were coming from. And through that, um, we were standing out there, and a lot of times people aren't nice to you when you're protesting. Right. But because we were all dressed nicely and and trying to get the message out there, um, people received us pretty well. And we just came up with this name because all of us were big, busted women that were standing outside one day. Now, that's that's really just how it came out. And we, we love the name. Um, we know a lot of people think it's campy and stuff. But you know what? As long as we get the message out about the animals, um, that's all that we care about. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's great. And um, so how many, what is the structure of your organization? Like, how do you do your work? Okay, right now our work is focused on shelters that are in this California area and getting um, animals out and in pet shops that are willing to carry shelter dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also been working with groups out of state that are willing to take the dogs, and we've shipped dogs to Montana, New York, Washington State, Nevada, and um, Park City, Utah. Mm-hmm. And the girls that I work with are all rescue women. Most of them have their own organizations, but we umbrella them through d and if you go to our website, uh, you can go to the page, The Real Women of Rescue, and you'll have all of the information of all the women. We have uh, women that have groups up in Santa Barbara, in San Luis Obispo, in San Diego. And these women and I work together uh, on a daily basis. I'm either on the phone with them or I'm actually meeting with them at shelters, picking up animals and getting those animals into um, a situation. Yeah, it just sounds like you have such a... a a well-oiled machine as far as how you are transporting these dogs, relocating them. And the one thing that is just amazing is that you're actually making a connection between rescuing dogs from high-kill shelters and pet stores, which well, it's, you know, it's like, it's like a full circle. not well-received in the animal community. And, you know, we contributed to that, I must say. Us protesting them and putting many out of business didn't help that relationship. So it it took us about a year before we figured out that we need to be on the inside of these pet shops, not on the outside. You know, it's one thing to, you know, try to put somebody out of business, and then it's another thing to try to get someone to reorganize their business. And when we show most of these pet shops what it's like in a shelter, and and we actually do, we take the, the pet shop owners to a shelter near them, and show them what's going on. Most of them have never even been to a shelter. Mm -hmm. And most of these pet shop owners love animals. They wouldn't be in the animal business if they didn't. Mm -hmm. They just didn't realize that uh, they're perpetuating this mass production of puppy mill dogs. Um, And and when we show them what they can be doing, we have changed not only their lives, but their businesses and and the lives of thousands of animals. So it's been so rewarding. Yeah. It's it's just, it's such a smart approach, and it's obviously, you know, the proof is in the pudding and that you're, you know, the work that you're doing is just amazing. So, um, it's, because the problem is not the, really the, the root of it all is the puppy mills themselves and the existence of them. And, you know, I had a client recently... I was working with a client because they had just gotten a dog that was six months old, uh, was a, a Labradoodle, and uh, which is a Lab Poodle cross. And um, she said, well, you know, she was just sort of describing the behaviors of her, of her dog, and they had just gotten him at six months old, and he was just really 
very, very uh, skittish and reactive. And he grew up, um, or was the breeder was in a in eastern Washington, I think, five acres. And it seems that, and they had forty dogs or something like that, forty or fifty dogs. And it didn't seem like the dog had ever left the property. And then this breeder goes and ships the dog to Seattle. The dog had never been on leash. And it's like, who are these breeders that are just totally setting everybody up for failure or, or making everybody's everybody's experience so much harder than it needs to be because they're not socializing the dogs and, you know, getting them used to novelty and different noises and all that type of stuff. But what was interesting to me was that my client, when I was asking them where they got the dog, well, um, well it wasn't a puppy mill type situation, but, um, you know, and they went on to sort of describe the situation and to me it was definitely questionable and the term puppy mill seems like an umbrella i think people think of like a, a factory farm in in missouri but there's a lot of online breeders that i think probably fall under that category as well it's not i, I agree with you i so agree with you i think that the misconception for most people that are out there looking to purchase an animal and they want to buy it from a well-known or a good breeder they think that the Internet is the best source of, of doing so. They think that it's regulated. They don't understand that, like, this dog that you're talking about, a Labradoodle, you wouldn't think a Labradoodle was mass-produced, but I've got to tell you, if 40 animals are on a property, that's mass-produced. If there's a mama and a papa and one litter of puppies every six months, I can almost live with that, even though I don't like that because I know that they were putting Labradoodles to sleep in our shelters, but I could, I could be okay with that. But in this particular instance, it sounds to me like this is just a great way to sell your dogs online and people, you know, are not calling you a puppy mill because, you know, you're doing it in a different, you know, there's a different approach to the way that you're doing it. Right. And it's not at a pet store. You know, people exactly. are thinking, oh. But, but the new pet store is online. I, in the past six months, have gotten more calls about complaints of people buying dogs online than I have about people buying them at pet shops. Yeah. And they can say anything. Anybody can make a beautiful website and say that it's a family operation. And by the way, a lot of the puppy mills, like hundreds of dogs, you know, horrible situations were technically family-run organizations. You know, it was like a mother-daughter thing, and they had, you know, 400 dogs. And, you know, I mean, it's like you just have to be so careful. And I, I say, you know, try to rescue first. Find an organization that does rescue work. Get a referral from someone. And if you're going through a breeder, go there in person. you got to exactly. check it out. If you really want a, a, a purebred dog, there's a great way to approach that there's you know plenty of professionals that can help you do that and get you to the right sources i mean even oprah winfrey um she worked with tamar geller who's a friend of mine and an animal trainer and she took her to the backyard of the dogs that she wanted to get so um you know there are ways to do it you mm-hmm. know yep uh kim we have a caller who has a question for you we have tina in bellevue on line one hi tina hi julie do you have a question for Kim? Yes, I do. Go for Hi, it. Hi, Kim. Hi. Your uh, your um, efforts are very impressive. Thank you so much for caring about dogs so much as you do. But I do well, have a question. Um, are there any statistics available, or have there been any surveys or anything to um, let people like me sort of get an idea if uh, the 
um, effect that uh, all of this, you know, all of our awareness has, our awareness of puppy mills and how bad they are and everything. Has there been a decrease in the puppy mill um, usage or populations that they that they have, or or any of the mm-hmm. companies that may have closed or anything due to this mm-hmm. new awareness of ours, or certainly to me? Well, I must tell you that's a great question because, you know, in the past few years it has never been more publicized, especially because Oprah did a show on it too, and the Humane Society is is doing lots of legislative um, things out of Missouri. Um, But there is no documented statistics that we're seeing um, in writing, but I can tell you from my own experience personally, it's a lot easier out there on the streets to get people to listen to my message. Um, and that tells me that, you know, the awareness level is up. But um, our problems are that, we're de- like we were just saying, we're dealing with the new way of selling dogs, which is online. And we're also dealing with the economy, and we're seeing lots of animals, you know, purebred animals that are being dumped into our shelter system. And most people don't realize that 37% of the dogs in animal shelters in America are purebred. Mm-hmm. And um, they can go to the shelter and possibly find the dog they're looking for, a purebred dog, there first before they need to go anywhere else. Right. Well, thank you again for all your efforts. I'm, I'm very impressed. And, Julie, I love your program. I love listening to it. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great question. You know, you wonder how much, you know, from now, from 20 years ago is, you know, how many pet stores. I remember when I was little, there used to be pet stores in the malls and you don't see the. And and as a kid, I used to want to go see the puppies. You know, little did I know. is a much more progressive and a much more thoughtful area. Um, You'd think California would be that way, but Julie, we're not. We're terrible here. I mean, every mall you go into in California has a pet shop selling mill dogs from Missouri. Mm. Um, And it's just despicable to me that in this day and age that, you know, the people that own those malls need to be more responsible. If they're animal lovers or or care about issues that affect the world, they should, should, you know, look at who they're renting to. And unfortunately, they don't. So, and, and, and by the way, it's hard to protest a store that is in a mall because legally um, they can throw you out because the mall is considered private property mm-hmm. and thrown out of many a mall but there is a new way that we're telling people if, if you do see a, a pet shop in a mall that's doing this kind of behavior and selling you know animals that are that clearly are stated they're from a different state um we just go in there like we're customers and talk to the customers we get in there and we just say look you know that if this dog is from another state you need to really make sure that it is not a puppy mill because more than likely it is 97 mm-hmm. percent of the dog's sold in pet shops by the Humane Society, and it's a a well-quoted number, Mm -hmm. are from the puppy mills. So Mm -hmm. we tell people that. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a few minutes with Kim Sill, founder of D-Cup Saving Teacups. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. show with julie forbes never miss another episode listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on itunes or soundcloud wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet wish you were welcomed by a team who cared jet city animal clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing 
Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice, jetcityanimalclinic.com. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Tired of the insanity of other talk radio stations? Just click your radio knob and say there's no place like Alternative Talk 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Welcome back to The Dog Show. We're back with Kim Sill, founder of D-Cup Saving Teacups. Hi, Kim. Hey. Welcome back. Thank you. So I have a question. We've been talking about puppy mills and pet stores and your rescue group and shelter dogs and how you take dogs from high kill shelters and sort of relocate them. And uh, amazingly to me that you can actually relocate them to pet stores who you've sort of converted. So I have a couple questions about that. The first one is, what is your typical reaction from a store owner and do they know are they aware the the owners and managers of the pet stores that are selling these dogs from puppy mills do they know what they're contributing to and how bad it is for the most part they do not know Mm. most of them have not been to a shelter they have it's been 20 or 30 years and it's like um, a totally new information for them to even grasp. Um, the first time I took one of the owners of a pet shop to a shelter, I did it deliberately because she was, you know, in proximity. She was like two miles from this shelter. And yet for 35 years, she'd been in business where she had been importing dogs from Missouri, Idaho, South Dakota, Pennsylvania. And had no idea there was a shelter two miles from her. Mm. So when I took her into that shelter, I mean, she just started bawling. I mean, it was mm. she was crying and sobbing. And we left there with 12 senior dogs that were, you know, I was like, this is the wrong dog for you to be picking to put in your shop. You know, senior dogs are tough. You know, if you ask most rescue people, you know, it's like they're the ones that end up living at the facility with you. She didn't care. Her heart went out to those the ones that she knew, as mm-hmm. as obvious to any of us that were in there with her that day, were the ones that were going to be put down that night. Mm. And she did. In her behalf, she has rehomed all of those dogs and since then helped me save over 200 dogs in her store and 100 cats. 
So she became a believer immediately. And believe me, they're all, you know, not all pet shop owners are like that. Right. um, She was a great success. Um, I had a woman who's been buying backyard breeder dogs for her pet shop Mm -hmm. for 22 years. And she is in Montecito. And when I took her to a pet shop, um, she went in. I mean, when I took her to a a shelter, she went into the shelter and um, she was totally a businesswoman. She said, look, I think I can help that one, that one, and that one. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, within a few days, she had people with those dogs at her shop adopting them. Mm -hmm. And that's how she likes to do, you know, her deal. And, uh, And she's helped save 65 dogs. since last November. Um, So, you know, uh, if we can get these pet shop owners into shelters and show them what the rescue community has known for years um, and enlighten them and work with them and help them, and uh, I think think we can change the way that Americans get their dogs. Yeah. And to stop the demand of the puppy mill so that they cease to exist. Exactly. I mean, it it definitely has cut into the supply. Of, of what these guys can sell these pet shops. And, and we've got eight shops that I personally work with on a daily basis. And it's wonderful to know that every time we get a rescue dog in one, one of these shops, that's one less dog they're buying from the mill. Yeah, and one less dog that's getting euthanized in a shelter. So it's like a, yeah. two, it's almost doubled. So how does um, how does a pet store... If they're selling puppies for profit, how does it, from a business standpoint, are they able to somehow still make money off of the the rescue dogs, or are they sort of kind of just taking that loss and because they're inspired? I mean, are, from a business standpoint, if they're losing that income, are they able to still um, get that income if they're using dogs from shelters? Well, you're, you're, you're right. There's definitely a, a, a financial hit here. And what we've had to do is with each shop, depending on, you know, where they're located and how we can get them animals, like in, in most cases, we'll bring them a list in the morning. We'll either email it to them or um, have a volunteer go over with a list of the animals that we can pull for them. And we'll, we'll take that cost in. We'll pay for the dogs. We'll make sure that the dogs are fixed and we'll deliver the dogs directly to them. What we ha- what they have to do is make sure that they abide by our adoption agreements and that they, you know, follow certain, you know, requirements that we have. Mm-hmm. However, they can still only adopt that dog out for about 200 to maybe like $350. Mm-hmm. Um, in most cases, that's nothing compared to what they were making when they were selling the puppy mill dogs because those can go up to $3,500 depending on the breed. Oh, it's amazing. I can't um, believe they're selling. What we've tried to do with each shop is we, we have fundraisers. We have, like, we'll create events to help them fundraise and help them create a, a community within their own shop so that they have people supporting them besides us because eventually we'd like them to do this on their own. We are giving them the tools, and hopefully they'll be able to sustain this on their own. But when we first take a shop and, and convert it, we definitely need to be there and help them. Um, I'm working with, with a shop that I've been with for a year, you know, and I'm still working with them because they need our help, you know, depending on where the shops are located and the economic situations of the shops, you know, it, it's definitely, um, you've got to have passion for this or, or believe me, you wouldn't be able to, to meet the challenges because there's many, many challenges. Mm. 
You know, and what is just so clear to me, which I'm so impressed with how you and the other women who you work with and, and other, um, are, is it all, is it all women, all women that you work with? You know what? It, it, it's all women, but we definitely have the support of many men, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, our husbands, we call them, yeah. <laughs> that help support our habit, which is, this, right. you know, this rescue stuff that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, along the way, we have some honorary D-cups, like there's a man named Dennis. He works in Camarillo, and he has helped me save over 500 animals. He's, he shows up at all of our transports and helps, helps us load the animals mm-hmm. and you know, it's just people like that, that that we bring along with us that have become so dear and so amazing. I mean, we, we couldn't do this alone, believe yeah. me. We need it. We need all the help we can get. Well, the thing that strikes me, and I just wish that somehow you could get into uh, the government, because um, this approach, I mean, if you think, to ver- to oversimplify, if you look at... You know, a lot of people would probably view like the pet store, like a lot of people in the rescue world would probably view the pet store people as like the enemy. And with your approach, rather than attacking and coming in and attacking and trying to shut down and, and, you know, being offensive, you are coming in and, you know, not in all cases, but you're you're coming in and getting to know these people and coming in with more of an open heart to who they are and that they are, are still humans and, you know, showing them, like opening their eyes and their hearts to to what they're contributing to. And then look at what look at what you are creating out of that is so productive. And I, I just there, you could apply that that model in so many different areas with other. I mean, you know, gosh, are are this country's relationship with other countries, even uh, op- opposing um sides of any argument within this country i mean to just to take your approach of being open and educating and giving people a chance rather well, than just writing them off because, yeah oh, it is it is an approach and it's a non-judgmental approach mm-hmm. and um it was just by accident like i said when we were standing outside of the pet shop it, it dawned on me that we should be inside the pet shop and the only way to get inside is to open the lines of communication and to not be judgmental and it's amazing some of the people that i'm working with now are you know have been selling puppy mill dogs for you know 50 years and now we're friends mm-hmm. and um i understand where they're coming from and you know we all walk in different shoes you know and until you've walked in someone's shoes uh we need to let go of of all of that judgment and and just be there because we can help a lot more animals with that approach and in the past three years we have saved almost four thousand animals this way mm. if if we had stayed with the judgmental approach and put people out of business um i'm not sure if you and i would be talking right now because um that didn't feel right mm-hmm. you know this this feels right yeah that's so great well, I, I just, I, I can't emphasize that enough. And I think that, you know, that model, you know, we could really learn from that in other areas of, of um, society and our culture, for sure, both nationally and internationally. My email address is on the website. Anybody that wants to help a shop in their neighborhood do something, please email me. I'm happy to, you know, walk you through it, send you documents, send you all the information that that we use here. We've actually helped people in Colorado and in New York and in Mississippi um, that have done the same thing that we've done, and in Florida, 
because there, you know, people, you know, this is a wave. This is the wave of change, and change is happening for animals, and people are standing up for animals and are willing to stand up for them and help them in a productive way like this. And, mm-hmm. and we're happy to help those people do that. Yeah. And a couple of key things, too, you know, you said opening the lines of communication is totally key. You're also operating from a place of love, not uh, fear or judgment. And I think that's what's what's really breaking through to people and, and where you're able to find the common ground with a lot of people. True. And, and, most, and most shelters have puppies, which is, you know, the, the pet shop world, doesn't understand that most shelters have puppies and they they think that their business is based on having these cute puppies and when you take them to a shelter that has puppies and you show them that there are puppies there you know they're floored for the most part they're like i can't believe that these dogs could survive in this environment yeah and i say to them they won't survive in this environment we need to get them out we need to put them in your shop right now mm-hmm. we need to get them vaccinated we need to start them on their meds i mean it's like it's so obvious to these shops when they see those puppies, and, and that's all. That's that's really the, the key for me. If I want to turn a shop, I'll, I'll take them to a shelter where I know that there's puppies, and and they'll. they'll well, and if they think the shelter environment's tough, uh, imagine what the environment in a puppy mill is like for a puppy, and all the transportation and all that stuff. I mean, it's just ter- terrible. Well, we don't see the the, the dogs that are thrown right. into yeah. you know bags and right just completely disposed of like garbage because the puppy mills don't have to be accountable for that. Right. Unlike the shelters, you know, the shelters have to be accountable for those numbers. Yeah. Um, the shelters have to be accountable, but the, the puppy mills certainly don't. That's right. Interesting. That's- well, Kim, so wonderful to have you on the show and to share your wisdom of what you do and what you found to be successful in a very touchy, difficult um arena uh you know bridging the the shelters and the pet stores is just amazing i can't thank you enough for your work and i hope that enough people um learn from you and and contact you in their areas so that more people around the country are doing this well thank you julie i appreciate what you do too and helping us get the word out yeah my pleasure when you're down here i'll take you out for some tea that sounds good (laughs) i'll definitely get in touch if i'm in uh what is it southern california where are you I'm in Beverly Hills. Oh, Beverly Hills. All right. Well, next, I've never been, so. Oh, well, then, please, I'll take you to dinner. We'll go right. to um, Mr. Chow. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Kim, and keep up the good work. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Sweet. I've never been to Beverly Hills. Or Mr. Chow's, I'm Or Mr. Guessing. Chow's, yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Gosh, I am so impressed by her and the organization and the people in that organization definitely doing such a good great work. approach yep and uh while you were doing the interview i was checking out the website and mm-hmm. it, it looks really good yes excellent dcupsavingteacups.com you can also find kim sill online at saved in america the film.com to see about her documentary that will be coming out shortly and also shelter hope pet shops Org to check out the work uh, that we were talking about in the first part of this show, uh, shelterhopepetshops.org. And, of course, we'll have all of these links posted on our website, which is dogradioshow.com, where you can find all of our guest information every week and all of our now 361 episodes archived 
dogradioshow.com and of course as always available as a free podcast on iTunes as well. Thanks so much for listening this week. We'll be back next Wednesday live from 2 to 3 p.m. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk 1150 AM. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.